Um, but uh, before I get started, I just want to go to God in prayer that he would touch me, that he would touch this service. God, you know exactly what you have determined for this service today, God. And I pray, God, that I would get out of the way and I would let you move. God, that there would be nothing that would stop the moving of your spirit today. God, I pray that you would touch each and every one of us today, God. Minister to our hearts. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Well, last week I talked a little bit about giving thanks. And uh, we're going to talk about giving thanks today. But I think a lot of times one thing that we struggle with is the position that we're in. We, uh, we struggle to give thanks in that position sometimes. And what we really need is a, a change of position that we give God permission to search us rather than searching every other person around us with the big old magnifying glass, giving him permission to search our hearts. So I'm going to start off with our scripture, but before I do, I realized this last night as I was getting everything in the slides all prepared. My, my graphics all say Psalms 34, 33. This was, this was supposed to, that was all supposed to be like for you guys to like, you know, fact check me, but you didn't. I'm kidding. It wasn't, I just accidentally put an extra three there. And I didn't realize it until like last night. And I was like, well, I'm not changing all the graphics. <laughs> it's already up and posted, so I'm all, I already look stupid. <laughs> all right, so I just added an extra three. Anyways, let's read this scripture together. Go ahead and throw it up there. And it says, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Man, I would challenge you every time you wake up. And I, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of this. I challenge you to do things. And sometimes I don't do it myself because I, I'm in my own struggles. So I challenge you. When you wake up in the morning, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Maybe write it on your mirror or something. Yes, bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me. So there's, there's a reason why we do things like this. Because giving thanks to God is important in our spiritual walk. It's, it's important as Christians, giving thanks to God. Now, we can sit in the gloom and doom that we experience in our lives. We can struggle, right? Um, and we've all been in those moments in our life. And I think it's something that we have to question is, why do we withhold our thanks? Have you ever wanted to tell someone thank you, but withheld it? For whatever reason, has anyone ever done that? Like, I've been that type of person. Like, me and my wife, we get into fights sometimes. Surprising. Um, I don't think it's surprising. <laughs> but we get into, you know, fights every now and then. And there's this, I want to thank her, I want to forgive her, and I want to move on. But sometimes I, I struggle with that, like, whatever it is. Like, and sometimes the things that happen are just so small, but they are what trip me up the most. So last week we talked about magnifying the Lord rather than our situation. A lot of times if we magnify the situation, we struggle with giving thanks to God because we are so focused on the situation um, that we have in our lives. I believe that we can often withhold our thanks when things don't go our way. Have you ever been in that position before? Things are not going your way and you're like, I got nothing to give. We don't give thanks to God because we're so consumed with everything that is going on in our life, the troubles and everything. And we make the situation bigger. And instead of doing what we should do, and we essentially shift our view to our situation 
instead of viewing God as the author and finisher of our faith. We can say it in word, but in deed, it's a whole other thing. Actually, living it is something else. So we have to adjust our view of self. So if you all remember this last week, the right side of the mirror shows you what you look like, right? But a lot of times we're like, oh, there's something on my face. I see it there. And so you bring the mirror closer, but it's not enough. So we flip the magnification and we get this big, I can really see the imperfections in my face, right? Like I can see everything. When I flip the mirror and I begin to magnify myself, now I can see all of the things. And so we get this mindset that I'm, this is what everything looks like. Everything looks big and out of portion and blown up, right? But, but the reality is, is we're looking at it and viewing it through our lens instead of his lens. We tend to get focused on details that while they matter, they really don't matter. Like, I mean, yes, if you've got a pimple, does it matter? For some of you, you're going to be like, oh my God, it's the end of the world. For some of you, it's like, I don't really care. Like, if I get a zit, I'm just like, you know, scratch it, done, move on. I always think that my wife would appreciate it if I point out that she's got a zit. But she's, every time I point it out, she gets mad at me. And I was like, babe, what, I want you to tell me if I have one, but she don't want me to tell her if I have a zit. Now, like, I just, I don't understand that. Like, if you ever see me with a zit or something on my face, please tell me. I want to I wanna look, you know, like, I can pop a zit. Like, that's nothing. But my wife, I was, she's like, well, it's because you tell me in front of everyone. I'm like, well, that's when I saw it. Apparently, that's not okay, and I didn't realize that, you know, like, I'm going to tell a really dumb story already off my notes here. I'm going to tell you this story. There was this one day, I was at work as a surgical tech, and this doctor, he, this, this nurse was giving report to the doctor, and he's just, you know, listening, so she thought, and he, she finishes asking this question, and he says, have you ever had that mole checked out? And she was like, huh? <laughs> this poor guy, like he, you know, like some doctors, they're great, you know. But some doctors, they just like, they just, you know, they were the smart kid in school. And, and they didn't really have any interactions. And this kid, this guy, man, he was, he was smart, but he was not street smart. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh, he just said that. <laughs> you check this mole out? And, yeah. <laughs> How about you answer the question I asked you? But we can get focused when someone's talking to us and we get focused on something that we see. Um, I'm not going to tell you the things that I get focused on when people talk to me because if I do that, you'll be like self-conscious. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm listening, but like. <laughs> All right, here's the thing. We've got to stop having this altered perception and stop viewing the world through our lens. Rather, we should view the world through the lens of God. So what happens when we view the world through our lens. We put this on, and now it's our context. Everything that has happened in our life, now we view the world. These are 3.5 magnification, and I can't really see anyone in here until I get up close to them. So I get up, I start, it starts honing in, and I get, like, focused on you. And then I get a little close. I don't know how close I... <laughs> You know, we can, we can get so focused on the mess in our life, everything. And, and, and what happens is, is if you have the wrong lens on, what you do is you get real close to it. And now your perception, your perspective is limited. 
because you can't see. Everything else gets blurry because you're so focused on the situation. But what are some of the things that we view the world through? Our woundedness. There's so many people in here that have been wounded. I'm one. We view the world through our trauma. We, were, we view the world through our heartbreak, our abuse, our, our negative mindset. We view the world through all of these things, but that's not the heart of God. That's my heart. That's the things that I've been through, and I'm putting you in the same thing. I'm looking at you through my lens, through the problems that I have in my life. So one of the most important things that we can do is remove the glasses and ask God to let us see the situation as he wants to. Let us see people the way you want to. Help us to see the pain that I'm experiencing right now in the way that you want me to see it, God. Because the way that I've been viewing it, I've been viewing it all wrong. What if you said, I'm done viewing the world the way that I've always viewed it? It hasn't got me any help. What if just so everybody knows, these are real cheap glasses, okay? Got them at Walmart for like, I think it was like 3 or $5. But what if you stopped viewing the world through those lenses and you said, you know what? I'm done. I'm not going to view it that way anymore. I'm done. So that when you pick the mess up again, now you're no longer viewing them through your messed up lenses. You're viewing the world as you should view the world, the way God wants us to view the world. Here's the thing, is there's some hurt people, and a lot of times hurt people tend to hurt people. I've been hurt, and I have lashed out to people. I have been angry before, and I've had to go and say sorry for situations that I've done. And mainly it was because I was viewing the situation through my lens and not the lens of God. How often is our automatic safety that we just shut down rather than show gratitude? I, I shut down and I, and, I, and I seclude myself and I separate myself from everyone that cares and loves about me because I'm viewing them through this lens of, of, that, I, that I have created that is viewed through my heartache and my trauma and my... And my, th my wife, she will say things to me sometimes. And for whatever reason, my brain tells me she's mad at me. Or my brain reads the text message in a different way than what she meant. And I try and tell myself, I know that's not what she meant. But sometimes it's really hard to pull myself out of that situation. So it's something that we as individuals have to be aware of. Am I viewing people and everything else around me through this lens of, my heartache and my trauma and my, my abuse? Or am I viewing it through the lens that God had? And maybe the question is, well, why did God allow me to experience those things? Why couldn't he just, you know, uh, allowed me to have that been avoided in my life? Why, why didn't he do that? He's all powerful, right? But I've gone through all of these hard things in my life, and it's really hard to give God praise and thanks for a God that lets me experience these things. I agree with you. Sometimes it is hard, and sometimes that's the very thought that's in my mind. 
But there's something about it when you can look and find the purpose in the pain in your life. If you can find the purpose in what God could use that for, then, then you can begin to realize that you do have purpose, that you have been fearfully and wonderfully made, that you don't have to continue to view the world through these eyes that you have, that we can have a changed mindset of how we view the world. And last week, I pulled out the magnifying glass and I went around and talked about how we magnify everything. Do my eyes look real big? I hope they do. <laughs> Smile. Here's the thing. <laughs> Last Sunday, I wasn't sure what I was going to preach this week. And me and Paul were talking after church. And he said something. I was like, I know what I'm preaching next week. <sighs> he had the magnifying glass. He said something. I was like, we need to flip the magnifying glass. Give it to God and let him search us. Find those things in our heart that need repairing, those things that need to be fixed. Scan my brain, God, because you know I got some faulty thinking up there. I got some messed up stuff going on. Please help me, God. So we need to let God use the magnifying glass on us and examine us. I don't want to be a person that internalizes and misses the wonderful part that I get to do. That's give thanks to God. I don't want to internalize all of this heartache and pain and hurt in my life that I miss out on giving God glory because one of the greatest things I get to do is praise him. So Psalms 139, 1 through 6, it says, Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest, and you are aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me. You have placed me. You have placed your hand on me. This wondrous knowledge is beyond, is beyond me. It is lofty. I am unable to reach it. This chapter, it opens up and saying that you searched me and know me. The writer of this passage declares you already know me, God. But it gets really interesting towards the end. I think it's important. We should know and we should recognize that he knows me. That he knows the heartache that I feel. And you're like, but how can he know? Y'all remember the story of Lazarus? And then there's this like two words sentence in the Bible. And everybody knows it. It's like John... I don't know, like 11.6 or something like that. It's somewhere around there, 6.11, I don't know. Anyways, in that it says, Jesus wept. That's it. How many times have we like, well, I don't cry, I'm not a crier. I'm a man, I don't shed a tear. Jesus cried? He showed the emotions, he's connected. He understands the way that you feel. He came to save the world, right? What would happen? He was rejected by the people that should have recognized him. How many times have we been rejected? It says, Jesus said to them, he's like, the world will hate you, but don't worry, they hated me first. So it's okay that people hate you, but he loves you. You've got to remind yourself of those things. You are known and loved by God. That in itself is something to give thanks for. I know the struggle when you struggle to break free from the bond, remind yourself that even when you don't love yourself, he loves you. 
I've been in that place before multiple times, probably at least once or twice a week where I feel like I don't even love myself. I, I, I'm of no use. I'm of no value. Those are the things. And you know what? A lot of times he knows the words before you say them on your tongue, right? And then I begin to speak those things. And yeah, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Stop speaking death in your life. Stop speaking death over other people's lives. So it says you, you know what I'm going to do before I say it. The word is on my tongue. He knows the troubles you have before you even speak it. He knows that you are going through it. He sees you. He sees you when you rest. He sees you when you're awake. He sees you in your way when you're on your way to work or you're on your way to doing whatever you're going to do. He sees you. He knows you better than you know yourself. Here's something that's really interesting about this chapter, though. If you go all the way down to the end of the chapter, in Psalms 139, verses 23 through 24, it says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if any offensive way, if, 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 if there is any offensive way in me. Lead me in the everlasting way. The chapter starts with, you already know, God, but it ends with, God, I give you permission to search me. He already knows. And, and I think a lot of times we try and hide the things that we struggle with, but he already knows. But what if you said, God, search me? Search my heart. Look for those things, God, that I've been harboring, those, those things, God. I, I need you to help me get rid of them. Search me, God. He's already searched you. But there's an act of obedience. There's this part when I say, God, and I'm giving this to you. I want you to search me. I need your help, God. I can't, I can't make it on my own. There's something about it. And see, maybe you're a person that's sitting here today and maybe this doesn't resonate with you. That's something to give God thanks for. And if you are a person that feels this way in some way, this is something to give God thanks for because whatever reason this week, this is the sermon that God laid on my heart that I've been de dealing with all week long. And I just want you to know that God loves you and God cares about you. And it's not that his will is for you to perish, but he wants to take care of you. And he is just waiting for you to say, God, I give you permission to search me. He already has. He doesn't need your permission, but there's something about it. Now I'm willing to listen. What is it, God? Change me. Search me. What do we try and hide from God? Last night, I came here to pray for a little while, and a song came on and started playing. And I was listening to the scriptures, and I was like, man, that sounds, that sounds familiar. I was like, that sounds almost like the scriptures that are in my sermon, and it just really hit me. And these aren't in there, but verses 7 through 10, it says this. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. If I live at the eastern horizon or settle in the western limits, even there, your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. This one right here, I thought was just amazing. Verse 11, it says, 
If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. You see, darkness doesn't stop him from moving. Even when you can't see it, he's still moving. Even if you can't feel it, he's still moving. He's got a plan for your life that is bigger than you have ever imagined. It's you have purpose in him. He loves you. He cares about you. So why don't we try and hide from God? Why does the psalmist there, why does he write, if I make my bed in hell, some of us have made our bed in hell every time we go home. It's hell in our home. It's, it's hell when we go to work and we have made our bed there and we feel as if we've got this sense of comfort from the chaos and that is not where God has intended for us to live. But he wants to bring us out. He wants to take us through this situation so that you can find the purpose in the pain so that you can minister to the person that is in it, that is in hell. So he has got a purpose for you because he loves you but it's also that he loves someone else in your life it's also that he loves your neighbor it's also that he loves the person your co-worker that drives you absolutely insane and the reason that you're in that job is so that you can help be a light in their life and you're trying to hide in the darkness and you wonder why you feel like darkness surrounds you it's because you're living in hell but don't worry he's there in your hell, he's there. When you make it to heaven, he's there. It doesn't matter where your bed is, he is there. Why do we keep these areas secret in our life? What if you asked God and invited him to search your heart? He already knows, but he won't force himself on you. What if you said, God, search me. Is there any offense in me? You may find that you've been holding on to something in your life that is stopping your ability to give thanks. Your weekly struggle, it hits you. You instantly sacrifice praise and worship. Your trouble hits you and you sacrifice gratitude of his sacrifice. The holidays come and loss or, or maybe the, the, even the ability to give your family what you feel like they deserve hits you. And so now we begin to sacrifice self-worth. Oh, I, my family would be better off without me. Man, holidays can be hard for people. Shoot, time change can be hard for people. I literally hate time change. Like it gets darker earlier. And I'm like, we're not saving daylight. Why are we saving daylight for the early risers? Let's, let's, just, let's just for the, how about the, for the people who work and sleep in? <laughs> Oftentimes, when hard times come, we flip the mirror and we fixate on the problem rather than giving thanks to God. We maybe have a healthy view of ourselves for a certain period of time and then something happens and we get fixated on the pimple in your life. And that's really, like I'm not trying to minimize the things that you have in your life, but let's be honest. How many times have you made it through something and you thought it was this giant mountain? And you get back and you look over and I'm like, oh, it wasn't actually that bad. Now, there's some things in your life I get that are going to be mountains. You're going to have mountains, but not everything that you face is a mountain. Sometimes you just got to fold the laundry and put it away. Right? I don't know who posted that meme the other day, but the Lord, the Lord dealt with me on that. Lord, why do you give me your strongest battles? He's like, you literally wash the clothes. Just go ahead and fold them and put them away. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. I don't ever wash the clothes. 
So what if we began to be more diligent in giving thanks to God? I told you about some of the research that talks about gratitude last week and, and, and how that in those moments, your brain can't handle two conflicting emotions, that your brain doesn't, it can't register the, the negative emotion when you're giving the gratitude and the thanks to God, or even when you're giving gratitude and thanks to someone else, maybe you write a letter of thanks to someone. In that moment, you have this sense of peace. So what if in the morning you woke up and you thanked him? What if you wrote on your bathroom mirror, let us exalt his name together? Oh, God, I'm going to exalt your name today. What if at noontime, when noon rolled around, and you look and you're like, oh, it's noon. I'm still here. Thank you, God, for giving me breath in my lungs. Maybe you, maybe you don't want breath in your lungs, and maybe you're, like, struggling with that idea. So, so maybe, maybe instead of saying that, maybe you just say, God, thank you for helping me at least make it this far through the day. It's been crazy. It's okay. That's still giving thanks to God. You can tell him the problems that you have in your life. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother is what the Bible says. Thank him in the evening. You made it through the day. You made it home safely. You made it through like nothing really chaotic really happened. And if it did, why don't you give him thanks anyway? Because chaos will happen. And if there's something that's consistent, it's chaos. But there's also something that's even more consistent. It's our God. It's the one that we can worship. He's the one that I can go to when I'm in trouble. He's the one that I can seek. He's the one that I will find if I seek him. If I will go and seek the face of the Lord, I know that I surely will find him. And so I encourage you throughout the day, just give thanks to God. But what has stopped you? What has brought you to the position that you are in right now? The anger, the bitterness, the hatred. Where is the thanks? You're like, I just can't find things to be. I, I'll be honest. Even I get to those points in my life where I don't feel like I can give thanks. Yes, I know I'm thankful, God, that you brought me out of this, but like right now this situation seems so big and I, God, I, why did you let this happen, God? Why did you let this happen? And now you begin to look at God as if he did this evil to you. God, why did this happen to me? And you're so wounded in that moment. And you fixate on the problem. And you're like, but I can't even get to the part of my brain that says, God, thank you for helping me make it through because I'm so stuck on the fact that you you took my dad from me. You, you took my ability to have kids from me. God, what have you, why is this joke of my life? Why am I in this? Fill in the blanks with you. Because those are the reasons sometimes I withhold my gratitude. The beauty of it is God doesn't expect you to wallow in your sorrow. He doesn't expect you. He knows that you will experience pain. He knows that you will experience sorrow. He knows that you will experience grief. And he is acquainted with your affliction. 
He is acquainted with the pain that you feel. He knows those, the very emotions. It says in the, his word that we are created in the image of God. That means we share the same emotions that God has. So the anger and the resentment and the struggles that you feel, he feels anger. He feels pain. He is in touch with your emotions because he loves the people that he created because he created you for a specific purpose. And in the whole instance of time, you're here in this moment and your life may seem insignificant and without purpose. But with him, there's purpose because he loves you. No greater love and this, then a man that laid down his life for a friend. A person that will lay down their life for someone else is not harboring bitterness and resentment toward that person. And for whatever reason, God brought this to my heart. And I have dealt with it myself this week. For a moment right now, for this time, for this day, for those that hear this. And I truly believe that God wants you to know that he loves you and that he is familiar with the pain that you have and the struggle that you've been through. But he does not expect you to stay there. He didn't give you that burden to bear so that you could focus on it. But so that it could be purpose in your life to drive you to touch that person that you know has been through that exact same thing. Yeah, their story is different, but he loves you. He cares about you. The beauty of our God is he doesn't expect you to stay there. I've had to repent. God, forgive me for not being thankful. God, help me. That moment is when I begin to move forward again. Repeat. I repent and ask God every time I get there, God, forgive me. Thank you for helping me make it through it. But he does not expect you to stay there in repentance. He wants you to rejoice. Last week when we left the service, I said, go tell people something you're thankful for. And I said, I'm going to lock the door until you tell them. I didn't actually lock the door. Everybody was allowed to leave. But I said, go and tell someone what you're thankful for. And so this week, what I'm thankful for is that I have a God that will convict me because he loves me. I'm thankful that I have a God that will lead me and guide me because he loves me and has the best for me. So when we repent, repentance is not a moment of, we, yes, it says godly sorrow worketh repentance. That's in his word. But also it is not a time for us to just dwell and just reflect on all of these horrible things that we've always done. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. Forgive me. And at that moment, I am forgiven and I can rejoice. We should have a weight lifted off of us. But so many times we get caught in our thoughts and we feel that we have to be emotionally bound to the pain, emotionally bound to the sin. And now I have to have this constant mindset that I'm a terrible person, that I'm unfit for God, that he could never love me. And so I can't forgive myself. I can't move past the things that I've done in my life. I've struggled with all these things, but I want to encourage you today that he doesn't expect you to stay there, that even though you've 
messed up, you can rejoice. Even though you've messed up, you can still say, God, I thank you that I'm here. Even though you've messed up and you've had some hard times in your life, you can still say, God, thank you that I made it through. And there's something about that. It just messes with the enemy. And that's the best part about it. If there was a reason to give God thanks, not only because of what he's done, but also what you get to do to the enemy. Just think about it. He's messed with you your entire life. Why don't you give God praise and just make that enemy be the thorn in his side? I watched this video someone sent me this week and it talked about, he goes, I want to come at Satan with everything that he came at with me came at me with, I want to come against the gates of hell with. And that's exactly how I feel. I feel like I've made my bed in hell sometimes, but I'm sick and tired of being in hell and I want to make it out. I want to storm the gates of hell because I know my God, he prevails. I'm thankful that we have a God. And I know that things can be hard. And as this song plays, I want us to take some time just to reflect over our life. And maybe take a moment just to repent. God, I'm sorry that I've gotten caught up in this. Help me to change my mind. Search me, God. God, I pray you would move in this place right now, that you would touch. sitting here today and there's been some struggles that you've been going through and you want prayer I want you to join me up here at the front I want to pray that God touch your life because you don't have to stay in that situation you don't have to stay fixated God change the lens that I view my world through God don't let it be the woundedness God heal me God just so that I can view people as you do God let me have a heart that beats after you